0: Welcome to Corgi Confident. My name's Alyssa. I am the self-proclaimed Corgi Queen. Let's talk Corgis. Hello to all of our Corgi Confident listeners. It is Maslow Monday, and for today I have quite the list of updates for Maslow um, for all of his current sports that he participates in, and then at the very end, I'm going to talk about my biggest tip and how we got such rapid progress in all of his sports, so stay tuned for that. But to start us off, we are going to start by talking about agility and what we've been focusing on for that sport. So for agility, our Biggest progress, I'd say, has been with his weave poles. We've still continued on doing other things, you know, like um, different series of obstacles, but I'd say his biggest progress has been with the weave poles, and that's something that I've personally been wanting to stress a little bit more with him, so we've been working a little bit more on that. So for the weave poles, he's still using the guide wires, and there is a little bit of a channel, so that basically means the The poles are not completely straight in a line. They're pushed out just a little bit just to make it a little bit easier on the dog as they're learning. And then the guide wires are placed on the outside so they don't pop out. Again, it's just all for a learning progress. So it kind of took him a minute to understand exactly what he had to do for these. Um, But he's a quick learner. Like once that light bulb goes off and he understands what to do, then he progresses quickly from there. So we've been working on him entering on his own, um, but also finishing and going completely through it. So we had some issues where he would jump the wires or he would go under the wires, or when he entered the weave poles, he wouldn't go in through the entrance, he'd go under a wire to enter it in. Um, Especially if I was running ahead of him, then he would just want to quickly get to me versus going through and finishing the obstacle. So he has started finding his entry from a pretty significant distance, from about like 10 or 15 feet, and he's been staying in even if I run ahead. Because obviously he's gonna be a little bit lower, or lower slower, through the weave pole. So as soon as he goes in, I tend to run forward so I can catch him on the other side and be there, and As soon as he exits, then I'm about like 10, 15 feet ahead of him and he comes straight to me versus getting distracted and going and sniffing and doing other things. So he's been doing really, really great with that. There was a definite light bulb moment for him. I figured out like one day he just, he just got it. He just understood that he got more treats when he did the weave poles perfectly than when he hopped them or went under. And so since that light bulb moment of finding the entrance, understanding the command, and doing it all the way through, we started adding in a jump before and after. So I'll send him, I'll put him in a stay, tell him to break his stay, and then send him over the jump and then into the weaves. And it's a pretty obvious his command for the weaves is through and it's been pretty obvious when I say that he he knows where to run and where to go. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but I say it and he just beelines straight to the weave poles. Like, he he gets it. Um, and we even have gone so far as, like, after he exits, sending him to a jump afterwards, which is something that we hadn't really been able to do in the past, just because of he would just get distracted. And... At our most recent class, he actually took two jumps before entering the weaves. And so that was also new for him, um, adding another obstacle in there and just kind of more for him to think about. And we even started taking off some of the wires in the middle of the weave poles, just to start taking those off so he doesn't rely on them anymore. And he never hopped out. He just kept continuing through, so I think he's really starting to understand the concept of the weave poles, which is fantastic. We've also done some work with the teeter and still getting him used to that. Um, I have preferred using the smaller height teeter just to get him used to that drop. But he's been progressing really, really great with that, uh, keeping all four paws until I say break and coming straight to me afterwards. But we haven't worked as much on that. I would say our biggest focus is lately has been the weave pulls and then just working multiple obstacles in a row. And mainly with the working multiple obstacles in a row, it's more handling practice uh, than it is practice for him. He's a very fast little dude, so I have to make sure that my handling is on point and I'm sending him properly and I have to think really fast. So that has been something I personally have been working on. And I would say when he messes up on the practices where we do multiple obstacles, it's usually because of me. Um, 99% of the time it's because of me. Sometimes it's because of him, but most of the time it's my fault. So I've also been working a lot on my handling making sure that I'm setting him up for success. I'm setting myself up for success. And a lot of it is making sure that when I put him in a stay that I am far enough out to still control him, but not too far where he's going to miss an obstacle. So it, it can be difficult and there's a lot of trust that we're working on building through because I have to send him ahead of me a lot of times and we're still working on him coming back to me. Um, So definitely a lot of trust building with that. So that has been our agility update. Next up is Flyball, which I also have quite an update on for everyone. We had weirdly started to regress just a little bit in Flyball um, in the sense that he wasn't jumping all four jumps. So what we would do is we would have a restrained recall. I would run forward and then call him. And he kept going around the jump, so he's regressed a little bit with that for whatever reason. He was doing all four just fine, but again, for some reason, he just decided to go around, probably because it's faster. And so what I had started doing with him was running in agility style, so in the sense that like, I'm running more with him, and I'm telling him to jump over each jump, and that has seemed to bridge the gap of what is expected of him. Um he still isn't quite back up to doing all four jumps, but he's getting he's getting better. And there was a brief time where he wasn't really interested in toys, but his interest for toys has recently gone back up and we've been able to use them quite a bit for his flyball. Um if you don't know, toys and tug toys are pretty commonly used in flyball because that's The way to make them run fastest, really, is if you kind of play on that prey drive that they have, but there was quite a significant amount of time where he just wasn't really interested in toys, at least in that setting, and so that interest has definitely gone back up. He's tugging again. He's running after them. He seems interested in them, so that's been really, really good. Um, Next up on our fly ball list is we've been working on our ball retrieves. So I will be holding him and a ball will be about 15 feet away. And I am sending him forward to grab the ball as I run the opposite direction. And so we were having to throw the ball at first, but now I can like just leave it flat on the ground and send him to it. Um, And he knows what he has to do. And so it used to also be where I would wait until they grabbed the ball before I started running the opposite direction. But this time I have been sending him to the ball before I even really know if he's got it and then running. So he's turned his head a little bit like, what are you doing? But then he'll go to get the ball and then come chase after me and running in the opposite direction. I don't remember if I said that. And he will bring the ball all the way to me to the point where I have to say drop it and then give him his toy. So his ball retrieves like he's he's definitely getting it. Um, And I hope to extend those in the future so that he can just go run and grab the ball further and further. And I would say that was definitely another like light bulb moment for him because there was a point where he wouldn't go and fetch them from a certain distance away for some reason he just if it was that distance away he just didn't understand what exactly needed to be done so it's been a light bulb moment for his ball retrieves next up on our fly ball update uh, are the box turns so these are the fly ball box turns they have to do a swimmer's turn on this box grab a ball and run and so We were just doing the turn and run. We have recently started adding the ball into it. And so he is on the practice box right now, so the angle is not quite as steep. And instead of the spring-loaded box, it has a little portion where you can put the ball just stuck with Velcro. And he has been successfully jumping on there, grabbing the ball and running to me because so again I'll send him to send him to the box to do his turn and then run the opposite direction much like the ball retrieves and he has been running to me and again have to tell him to drop it in order to get him to drop the ball like he'll bring it all the way to me um he has also been successful at me holding him and sending him forward to the box um Usually I put him in a sit stay or a down stay or a stand stay what have you and I'm next to the box sending him to it and running away but I've also started playing around with holding him and the trainer will be at the box telling him what to do and I run away. So we've been playing with that a little bit more and working on his drive to move forward. Um, We've also recently started using the competition fly box. Just this past week, we started using the competition one, and so it's a steeper incline, and the ball for the competition box is spring-loaded in there. However, when we practiced, um, it wasn't spring-loaded, so it didn't, basically it doesn't shoot out at him when he lands on the box. Um, It's just kind of resting in there, And so he did his turn, and he tried to grab the ball, but he couldn't quite grab it. He uses a pretty small ball, so he just couldn't quite get it out of there without it being spring-loaded. But that's fine, because the point is that it's at a competition angle, and he's still actively trying to get the ball. Um, Like, I'll usually have to tell him just to leave it alone, because he's trying his hardest to get it out of there, but again, without it being spring-loaded and actually, like, in there more. It's just been harder for him to grab it. We've also practiced with his um, like uh, recalls. There we go. I couldn't think of the word for a while. With his restrained recalls, we have put a stuffed dog on one side. So he will run towards me and then The point is to be able to run past a dog there because there's going to be a dog waiting for their turn after your dog runs off the course. And so we've been doing the restrained recalls and he's just been completely ignoring this stuffed dog, which is exactly what you want. Um, And these stuffed dogs are very realistic. They're used a lot in training, so they're pretty realistic looking dogs. He's not at the point of using a real dog on that side, but... He's doing fantastic at just running past the stuffed dog and not even acknowledging its existence, which is what you want. Overall, though, we are still working on his focus and attention. It is light years better, but for this session, there's a little Sheba in the class that he absolutely adores. So she is new to this class Um, She was in a beginner foundation class. Now she's in the intermediate class with us. And he just absolutely adores her. So it's hard for him to focus when she's around. So we're still working on him focusing and listening to me um, while there's other dogs in the room. And I would say it's really, really, this isn't going to be a surprise, but it's really hard for him to focus on me when a dog is running. And, I mean, if you think about it, that's just his herding instinct. There's an animal running, and his instinct is to chase. So, I would say that's been our slowest progress. And, mainly with him, I distance has been key. The further I am from the other dog running, the easier it's been on him. Um, so, we often play, it's... This thing, at uh, like this name game a little bit. And there'll be a barrier in between the dogs. And so you throw a treat. As they go to get the treat, you call them and run the opposite direction and throw another treat. And do that back and forth. So you're just kind of running back and forth and, and calling them. And he's done a lot better with that. But there's still some times when another dog is running that he just, he just, freaks out and he just has to chase them. So, still working on that aspect of it, but I see the pieces of our flyball training starting to come together. So, I think his biggest hurdle for flyball is definitely going to be running and focusing while another dog is running the course. All right, and then I saved the best for last, this is going to be our Barn Hunt update. If you don't follow us on social media, um, he had a trial recently for the 4th of July weekend. And he did earn his Novice A title. And he got first in class for two of his runs and then second in class for another. And his fastest time was 39.92 seconds, which is really fast. (laughs) He definitely knew what he was doing. So very proud of him. He did fantastic for that. And there will be more trials coming up in the future. And we'll see how he does and hope to get him some more titles. But it all depends on him, really. So with all those sports updates out of the way, I just want to talk about what i noticed has helped immensely with his training. My biggest tip if you're going to be doing dog sports or i guess just going to training classes in general, this is going to be my my biggest tip for you and as soon as i i implemented this, i noticed his progress has just skyrocketed really in all of his activities. And That tip is going to be being your dog's advocate and speaking up for your dog. I have found recently that I have been very vocal about what works for him and what doesn't. And although I'm not an expert in all of these sports, I do work a lot with him training-wise. And because I've done so much training, I do have... An idea of what works for him so when to push him when to call it for example um, at flyball this most recent time when we were working on the competition box turns he started just laying on his back almost like he was playing dead and he has done this a lot in our trick training as a signal to me that he's done and he doesn't really want to do it anymore and he's kind of exhausted so when he had started doing this um, for flyball, I noticed, and I recognized, and I had him do like one more box turn, and then we we ended it there. So, if I hadn't worked with him so much, I probably wouldn't have recognized that signal. and I could have overworked him if I tried to push him despite seeing that signal. So it is something I definitely spoke up about to our trainer, just to be like, hey, just to let you know, this basically means that he's done, so we shouldn't try to push him any more than this. Um, and I also noticed that for his sports, keeping it positive and fun has been keeping him engaged better. So taking control of that, making it fun for him, um, not doing a lot of the yelling at him saying no or anything like that has helped. Um, And I mean, for him, I have to show him like what's in it for him. You know, he doesn't just do things just to do things. He does things to benefit himself. So it's like trying to show him why he wants to do this. Um, And I also know that he craves variety. So he doesn't like doing the same thing over and over. It makes him bored. And then he doesn't really want to do it anymore. Like, he he likes things that are new and exciting and ever-changing. And so, knowing all these things, I have started speaking up about it. Um, I have started saying to them, like, what works for them or what works for him. Um, Specifically, when he gets distracted and I've stopped... Kind of scolding him necessarily and just kind of getting his attention back in a fun and happy way and I've noticed that helped him quite a bit so again I advocated for him on what worked best for him and I have seen significant progress from it and I have actually switched trainers because of this reason now there was another trainer that I was using for one of these sports that was very much you train it their way or not at all. And their way just didn't work for him. They didn't really want to listen necessarily to what you had to say, really. Um, They just, they knew best. And again, like, I know I'm not an expert in these sports, but I do know my dog. So as soon as I switch trainers to someone who is more willing to listen to my suggestions, that's when I notice his, his progress had just completely skyrocketed. And I don't do it in a rude way. I just, I like to be treated like I am an equal And not like look down upon. So I would talk to them like a friend really. And just be like hey what do you think about trying this? You know and then they'll bring up like oh yeah yeah that's a good idea. Let's also do this or that. You know having that discussion um, has been way more helpful. And then in general I have been more confident about speaking up. Because I am with trainers who are willing to listen to me. Who actually want to listen to me. And understand that I I am just trying to do the best for him. You know, I'm not trying to step on any toes. But they're like, yeah, you know what? That sounds like a really good idea. Let's give it a try. Or they'll say, yeah, instead of doing all of that, why don't we start slow and do this? Um, and again, I've noticed that has skyrocketed immensely. So with this whole huge long list of all my updates... My biggest takeaway from this episode is be your dog's advocate. You know your dog best. Although these trainers have worked with like multiple, like probably hundreds of dogs in the past. I'm not saying don't listen to them. Seek advice when you need it. But also don't be afraid to to speak out um, and say something. Because you never know if it's going to help, you know. Although they have worked with hundreds of dogs. Not every dog works exactly the same. It's always a little different. So that is my biggest takeaway from, from this episode is be your dog's advocate and speak up for what is going to work for your dog. I have noticed it's helped with Maslow. I've noticed it's helped um, with a lot of my other friends too. And I've noticed their progress once they have started speaking out. So don't be afraid to say something. You know, be your dog's advocate. You know them. You know what works best for them. And speak up. Find your voice. That would be my biggest takeaway from this. So, this has been Maslow Monday. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to all his updates. I actually had some updates this time. The past couple weeks I haven't really had updates. So, next week, I hope you come back and join us. I have... A pretty fun topic I'm going to talk about Uh, next week. I will be discussing some of Maslow's pandemic regression and what I've done to kind of counteract that with training. So make sure you guys come back and listen to next week's Maslow Monday again on his pandemic regression. Have a good week, guys. Corgi competent is for educational purposes only. Please contact a vet, trainer, groomer, or other pet professional in your area for help. Want more Corgi content? Make sure to follow Maslow the Trick Corgi on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And if you have a question, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. This is the Corgi Queen signing off.